Welcome to The Well, where we get together and talk about life and death and everything in between. My name is Pastor Carrie, and my favorite bird is a pygmy owl. My name is Jay, and my favorite breakfast meat is the sausage link. My name is Pastor Tim, and my favorite sign is the do not pass sign. (laughs) So, um... I was in my office the other day, and a man walks in with a lizard on his on his shoulder. And I asked him, hey, that's a really cool lizard. What's its name? And he said, Tiny. Tiny? Why, why do you call him Tiny? And he points to it and says, because it's minute. You even knew that one was coming, and it was yeah, still painful. it still hurt, didn't it? <laughs> Oh, There's my probably gosh. someone that could save us from yeah, this, let's, though, right? Let's see if we can introduce our, our our other member of the team. This is Mel. Want to say hi, Mel? Hi, Mel. Hi, Mel. Yep, nice <coughs> to see you. Mel lives at the bottom of the well where we get together and talk, and he has lived there for many, many, many years, collecting all kinds of topics of conversation that he overhears as people are gathering around the well to discuss and talk about things. So he has agreed to lend us some of his topics today to talk about. So, Mel, would you like to go grab us one of the first topics? All right, let's get a good one here. Here we go. And there it goes. All right, looking good. And here he comes back up. I was on the side of his mouth. I I think. There we go. Thank you, Mel. Let's see. Usually the ones that look small are... (laughs) <laughs> we'll find out what happens here. Okay. <clears throat> oh, okay. Isn't the golden rule enough? If we could all live perfectly by this rule, would we need anything else? Could you state the golden rule? Well, here it says the golden rule. Um, yeah, so I think I'm it's... Yeah. Love. I'm going to assume it's yeah, the... Yeah, do unto lo- your neighbor as you would do have it, them do unto you. Do unto yourself, yourself, right? I think is yeah. the... Yeah. I would assume, you know... Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. Double coal, so to speak, golden rule. Exactly. So My mom had a golden rule, but it wasn't that wasn't one. <laughs> Those with the gold have the rules. It's not yeah. that one either. Um, yeah, so is it enough? And if we could all live perfectly by this rule, would we need anything else? Is it me? The you. Okay. If you're ready. Nope, that's good. Um Someone asked me this one time. That's where this question came from. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I think when I decided to go to seminary, this person said, what do you need to go to seminary for? Isn't, the, isn't it just enough to love your neighbor and, you know, do unto them? And um, it was, I thought it was a really good question. It kind of got me thinking. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I came to the conclusion that it, it isn't enough. At least it isn't enough for me. Um, First of all, there are some problems with treating your neighbor as you would like to be treated in the sense that we don't all like to be treated the same way. So there are complexities that exist in that uh, in that equation. Um, But also, I think we need to know that we're loved. I think that that's uh, more important and I think more foundational to who we are than what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that this the golden rule concentrates on what we're supposed to do, um, but I think uh, what is also crucial and important is to remember uh, who we are as um, made in the image of God and beloved. Very much agree. Um, 
the golden rule is putting it back on me. And I guess maybe if I could live and do, you know, even go beyond the golden rule, do for my neighbor what they want me to do for them. You know, to treat my neighbor how they want to be treated. And everybody treats me how I want to be treated. But the problem is we can't do that. Um, We're egotistical beings that worry more about self than others. Um, I I think maybe uh, when the end time comes, whatever, whenever that is, um, yeah, I might be experience that. But uh, I, I don't think we understand love enough that we could do that. Um, I, I just, I, I, I think... Um, the the eye is is too strong, so, mm-hmm. and it's also a morality thing. Well, if everybody behaved the way I wanted them to behave, we'd be fine, right? Yeah, I think I think for me, um, it, it hinges a little bit more on the um, if we would if we would do this perfectly, because we we can't. <laughs> so then, so no, it's not enough, right? Um, because first and foremost, we can't do it perfectly. Um, I think if we were I don't use this <laughs> phrase often because I don't know if we always know what God or Jesus uh, intended, right? And we can get in trouble when we say that. Sure. But if we live this according to what Jesus intended, um, maybe we could, maybe it would work and, and be enough. But that's a form of um, perfection that, you know, we could have further discussions of why we don't have that perfection, but um, that we don't have. And so I think for me, you know, it comes down to um, I'm even... My, I even kind of had a thought of, like, when you were saying, Pastor Tim, when you are saying, like, if we flipped it to, like, how others how others want to be treated, I was even thinking, like, even that may not still fit that form of being enough because sometimes, as in tuned as we can be with ourselves, what we want and what we need don't always line up either. And sometimes love is about what we need versus what we want. Um, and right. so... Yeah, so, uh, you know, in true Jay fashion, long ramble to say, no, it's probably not enough, <laughs> in my opinion. But right. um, but I think it it brings it brings up, though, I think for me, is it's not enough, but what in it is good? What in it is a basis or, or a, um, you know, I like analogies. So, like, what in it is like a diving board um, to jump into what God is calling me to? Um, maybe that, that would be helpful, but... Mm-hmm. You know, even when I look at this or I look at, oh, you just have to love one another, which is right and true. But we, being who we are, often turn it into a morality code. Now you have to love people the way I think you should love them. Right. How you should behave. And um, I think when we do the must-dos, we run into a moral situation. That's part of the, the tightrope that I walk on when I talk about discipleship. It's not a morality thing. It's uh, trying to live in a way that is Christ-centered, which is really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have enough trouble focusing on myself to get myself to live that walk of discipleship, not worrying about how you're doing. And that's kind of where I run into trouble with the church, where you kind of worry a little too much about the other. Yeah, I I feel like um, in some ways this 
response is really normal when you think about who the Christian church has advertised itself to be over the, over the millennia in, mm. in the sense of turning itself into the morality police, right? And we read the Bible like it's a book of rules and we uh, turn our uh, education classes into learning how to be a good person, right? Why right. do I go to Sunday school? So you can learn how to be a good person. Um, and I think that Christianity has, it, it's, it's the fault of the church. I mean, I think that that, that is uh, because it's selling a product that people want. People want you to turn them into <laughs> moral people, right? Especially their yeah. children, um, which is why we're really good at attracting young families, right? Because it sold itself as like, you want to be a good parent? You better get your children to Sunday school so they learn how to be a good person. Yeah. But I, I think that this gets to the bottom of the fact that that's not what Jesus intended this to ever be. Uh, a book of rules would be the last thing I think that... Yeah, you get this like... It's kind of, what do you, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you get this like... Um, and and I'm speaking as someone that, that has spent you know, over 10 years in children's and youth ministry, um, you know, so riding that line pretty heavily. But like one thing that's always gotten me with, with that kind of like morality code... Um, teach them to be a good person. It's like we have these like cutesy pictures of Noah's Ark and then like we're somehow like trying to find a cute way to say like, and do you want to mess up and have God kill the whole world? Like we don't say that, but <laughs> it's but sort we of implicit, it, right? <laughs> it um, is a text of terror. Now let's <laughs> show some cute animals on a boat. No, <laughs> everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, and I think that I like where you went with that, um, Pastor Kerry, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, that we want to say, oh, well, if we just live by this rule. Right. Um, but then it's pulled away from the point of it, which is love, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Love should be enough. Yeah. But then we put rules around love, right? Right. I think, yeah, it, and it's a good question. It's not a bad question for, for Christians to ask each other, especially ones who, who are involved in church as we have it. Okay, you know, what is it for? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. So, all right, good deal. Mel, you ready to get another one for us? All right, here we go. There we go. Looks like we've got something here. Here he comes. All right, perfect. Thank you, Mel. It's going to be. Okay, a long one, it looks like. Okay. In a world of serious realities, i.e. economic trouble, poverty, abuse, natural disasters, etc., what is the role of lighthearted amusements? Things like games, sports, hobbies, movies, circus peanuts, etc. In a world of serious realities, what is the role of lighthearted amusements? First of all, there's a mistake in this question. There is no lightheartedness about circus peanuts. They are awful. <laughs> they are the worst candy in the world. Wow. Next to Reese's. That's oh, whoa. Oh. See, they're both peanut butter. You just have a thing about peanut butter candy. Fake peanut butter. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Man. I'm hurt right now. <laughs> Doug, can we edit this out? Or <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually is, is part of it, is the laughter. Um, I guess the example I'll give is... It's been my experience when I've had the opportunity to do funerals. I mentioned this at last at a sermon not re- uh, recently um, to sit and talk with the family and have them share memories, and we always end up laughing during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'll often share some of those memories at the at the funeral, and people will be laughing because they know the person we're talking about. And I tell these jokes, and I'm humorous, and all you know, do all this humorous stuff because I think it helps get through the difficult times. Um, when I was a, a chaplain during my CPE, um, the amount of humor that there was in both the oncology floor, which was my main floor, and the ER um, was striking. And that's because they're dealing so much with people experiencing the worst days of their life. And they do this day in and day out, and they need that humor to, in a way, equip them. And I think that's for us, too. It's a way for us to equip, to connect, uh, to be with each other, uh, whether it's through playing games or, or I can't remember all the other things, or, or eating circus peanuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a way to know that we're not going through this struggle alone, but we have others with us that are walking with us, and I think that's why those events are so important, because it connects us to one another, which is, I think, extremely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, when you were saying that, I was thinking, I have a um, a friend that I uh, will run with occasionally, and uh, he works in healthcare, and I'm, right, I'm almost always laughing at some <laughs> point in our run. Um, and and it's not in a way to make fun of anybody, but in the sense of like, this is really this was really tough stuff, and like, here's how I worked with the nurses, so we didn't get overwhelmed, and like we took a moment to laugh about this thing, and then yeah. we were able to focus and help this person to the fullest, right? Um, and so I think for me, like, it's interesting interesting to get this question right now because like in a in a state of vulnerability while we're recording this, um, and going through some things that are are pretty heavy right now um, in my life. And I think, um, you know, for me, if I didn't have those uh, outlets, so to speak, um, I, I would, it would be really hard. (laughs) Um, And, and it's not in the sense of um, like one thing that I want to like be clear about, you know, we talk about a lot with like 10 for 10 and mental health awareness. Like it's not in the sense of, getting over something. I think we hear that phrase a lot, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to go play soccer so I can get over this. Well, no, we're going to go play soccer so we can get through it, and we can get through it together, and we can find balance. Yes. Um, it's not a distraction in the sense of getting rid of or running away from the problem. For me, I think that maybe is a clear distinction, at least for me. It's more of a this is finding the, the joy in life to grab a breath, to, to keep, you know, keep moving through the reality. Um, and, and knowing that these joys are just as much my reality. I'm just feeling this other stuff a little bit right now. And so I think for me, um, it's really big. I mean, that's why, um, in a lot of ways, that's why I run. Um, I, you know, some, Pastor Tim and I joke a lot. Um, running isn't something he would naturally see as enjoyable. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, for me, that is like that fun thing, right? And so... Circus penis of Circus peanuts of activities, right? <laughs> Circus peanuts of activities, <laughs> um, but you know that that type of thing. So, but kind of um, additional ramble. But I, yeah. So I would I would say it's to get through, just see the, the the wholeness of life, not just. It isn't either or, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's so important that you, I've heard you both say connection, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's just what hu- humor is. Um, I, the way I think about it is uh, they're, they're both the serious realities of life and the humor that we find in it are two parts of the same thing, right? They're two parts of the deepest parts of who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they're... They, I, I, I hate to say the well because it's a dumb. I, what a weird thing to say during the show, but right, they, they <laughs> both are at this are in the in the well, deepest part of the well um, of of humanity. Um, so in some ways, you could think of them as both really serious or both really humorous, or humor is serious or serious is humor. Um, in some ways, I think, uh, and, and why that is, I think, is again to come back to to your connection? How do we connect with each other in the deepest ways with the deepest parts of who we are? And I think that, yes, um, days in the hospital, in the ER, the oncology, you know, times in our lives when we're going through uh, things that we could never have imagined making it through, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago or things that come and surprise us with, um, uh, with seriousness come from the same, take us to the same place, take us to the same sort of vulnerable place that humor takes us and that it's in that vulnerable place where we're able to connect with each other in, in much more meaningful ways, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I, I, and I don't, I don't know. I like circus peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of weird. There's yeah. no other texture in the world that is the texture of a circus peanut, right? It's squishy, but then it comes to like a stop. Yeah, it's it, and then it and then it bites off and then you bite it off. It's like not a marshmallow. It doesn't no. come back, right? It doesn't squish back. It no. squishes down and stays down. <laughs> and I find oh, that to be fascinating. And they work yeah. great as packing peanuts too. <laughs> no, they do not. No. Do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> in, and don't eat a packing peanut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is how we get that. ants. <laughs> this is how we get. Oh ants. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. All right. When I, Excellent. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I, as as you were. Um, as you were talking, I, I was hearing that like from the deepest place of who we are, and I think um, I w- as I was listening to you, I was seeing the question again. Saw the word like movie, and I think of like movies and shows, and like I'm not saying this is true for all of them. Sometimes I just throw one on to like just brainlessly, like maybe that is the one moment where I just escape for a second. But like I would say, like a lot of the movies that I really or shows that I really like to watch. There is something, if I'm being honest with myself, there's something about it that still connects to a deeper part of who I am, right? So even in that, even if it's entertainment, so to speak, it's still connecting to a deeper part of who I am than just staring at the screen, right? Like, I, um, thank you for saying that because it made me realize, like, I'm thinking through shows I'm currently watching. I was like, oh, my goodness, that's why, like, I'm gravitating towards that show right now. Right. It makes complete sense. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, it makes me think of something, <clears throat> right? When you when you watch something and you have entertainment that really connects with you, even in a funny way, there's a difference between that and sort of the things that don't connect, that are f- that maybe are supposed to be funny but don't connect in a deep way with you. Um, like, I think it's the difference between, like, Three's Company, you know, and, like, Shit's Creek. We can say that, right? Because, like, it, it's a show. Yeah, and it's it's the name of the town. And it's the name of the town <laughs> and the name of the mayor. And right. it's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T. Right. And, well, we're um, good. Right? Because, <laughs> like, they're both the comedies, right? These yeah. are comedy shows. But, but one of them connects with 
the very deepest parts of what it means to be human. And yeah. I'm talking about Three's Company. No, I'm not. No, you're not. I was not. I was not. <laughs> but I know, I know we're extending this question. to C. Peterson at no. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're extending I'll this. I'll take those questions. If you've, if yeah. you've got an argument for me on that, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll entertain it. it. Um, I know we're, sorry, Doug, we're going over on this one, but I, I two things came to mind and then I'll, I'll stop. But, um, is, um, Trevor Noah, yeah. like I, the, the way that he, I'm, I'm not promoting everything he says. I'm just saying the, for the most part, but like, <laughs> I, I really like him. I'll admit that. And like, I, the way that he can take serious things, you're laughing, but you're thinking very critically at the same time and thinking deep about yourself and the world around you while you're laughing. Like it, it is an, it is an art that I don't even know if when you're watching it, you realize what he's doing and he's, he's so gifted at it. And I, that's, that's pretty important. I, I would love to say that that's why I watch what we do in the shadows, but it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah. yeah. I, Trevor Noah's book is brilliant at that. The Great. Born of Crime. Yes. Yes. Born so crime. good. It's just, it's hilariously funny and just unbelievably moving and informative mm -hmm. and right. inspired. Yeah. And if, he, that. if anybody listening is one that listens to books, he yes, reads that yes, book. Yes, please. I, and I listen to it. Yes. It's wonderful. And it's, it's a must listen. Yes. I would say listen over, read it. Absolutely. I think we need to stop. Okay. <laughs> Mel, we could go on us. a long time on this All one. Right. <laughs> Mel likes Trevor Noah too. Yeah, it's he does. True. He understands. But he's going to grab us another topic. Here we go. And here he comes. Good one. Perfect. Oh, sorry. Wrong side there. Oh. Sorry about that. Bang. That was me. <laughs> The Christian ideal has not been tried, tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Remarked G.K. Chesterton. Anyone agree? Could you read that one more time? The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Yeah, I think there's... Oh, man. I, this is... When I get to answer first, <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of interpretation on what the Christian ideal is, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Christian ideal that I understood to be the ideal when I was growing up and younger compared to the, what, if I was asked what the Christian ideal is in my life now, is very different. Um, so it'd be interesting to know what the context of gk chesterson is in this sense um he's a he was a um an atheist who became catholic okay. um and he's a humor writer and he also wrote the mystery series father brown yes okay okay thank uh, you yeah but yeah Maybe but he's also he's, he's very <laughs> tongue-in-cheek and okay. i think that this is slightly tongue-in-cheek as tongue. well but um, um but yeah i would i'm i'm gonna say that in my life um I would say that I don't know if I would agree with the left untried necessarily, but I would say the found difficult part I would I would agree with. Um, and I think for me, like that's where I lean into um, where I find my home, like in the ELCA and and as as um, kind of more Lutheran tradition, um, is because uh, there is a sense of being willing to. This is where I say I don't know if it's untried in that sense, but 
um, dig into the difficult and like willing to question and ponder um, and um, critique, I guess. Um, and so um, I don't know if I have too much to offer on this one other than that, but I'm interested to hear what y'all have to say because I see you both deeply pondering. <laughs> um, I think that what I think he's because uh, he was also an apologist, so I think he was probably answering some of his um, very outspoken and famous, I think, sort of atheist um, uh, contemporaries mm -hmm. in, in saying that Christianity is outdated and ridiculous and it didn't mean it, it, it was it was silly when it was started and it, it's been out of date for many years, right? Um, and I think I've got a, a couple of things that come to mind when I think about when I think about that because I think, you know, p perhaps we've all heard that from people who are... Um, you know, uh, Christianity, it's, it's old fashioned. Look at the harm that's been done by it. The many, many things that you can say about that, um, is that, uh, two things. First of all, um, Bonhoeffer, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, took Christian living very seriously. He, in fact, um, he thought that it was absolutely possible to live the Sermon on the Mount, and he did not think that it was metaphor. He thought it was a directive. Um, and he, his very famous book on it, Life Together, is truly it, it, it's it, it has its limitations in the sense that it's written by a man for men white men um in right. germany <laughs> right but um, and that's where this experiment that's where he did this but um but it has real universal uh themes of the fact that we actually really probably haven't tried what it really means to be christians together and what it really means to be life together and um and it makes me think of of people who i have heard say uh you know love your enemies of course I'm not going to do that. You know, that's, that's outdated that everybody knows that's not real. Right. right. And, um, then when pastor Tim and I uh, taught our meditation class and we taught loving kindness meditation, right. It's, it's where you practice truly meditating on love of enemy. And it's incredible what that actually does do, right. Something that you, something that for humans is impossible, uh, but nothing is impossible with God. So those are my thoughts on that. I think it's incredible that you mentioned life together because my mind went to another uh, Bonhoeffer book, uh, Cost of Discipleship. Mm. Um, uh, again, the same same thing. He was, it was written by a man of his times, uh, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s Germany, uh, standing against the Third Reich, but um, still heavily influenced by his maleness in that time. Um, When I, I'm, I'm going to upset somebody now. Um, when I hear churches proclaiming an anti-Christ message, it drives me crazy. I think back to 9-11 and some of these other pastors that were calling on us to basically annihilate all the people in Afghanistan and then a few years later, Iraq. Um, we don't know how to love our enemy. And then they say, oh, but that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. We've never tried it. So I kind of agree with um, G.K. Christensen here. We've never tried. What would have happened, 
and you can call me naive or stupid or whatever, I'll accept the label. But we've never tried after an attack covering the people with food and shelter and caring for them and realizing that maybe we've done things in the past to upset them. We worry so much about getting our eye that the world has become blind and toothless. I'm kind of tired of it. That as Christians, we think it's appropriate for us to call for violence when our, when our Lord, our Master, told on us to turn the other cheek, to love our neighbor, to care and pray for those who persecute us. We lost something great, actually, when Constantine became a Christian Amen. because we became Christendom which has nothing to do with Christianity, but has everything to do with the power maintaining power and the weak being left aside. And we need to start reading the Gospels, see what Jesus said, and do it. And I'm sorry if I upset someone got too serious here, but um, I, I don't think he's, you know, yes, he may be saying his tongue-in-cheek, and I often do that too, but maybe if we just tried it. Yeah. Just yeah. try. I, I believe I was... I think I was in high school age when this happened, but there was the um, the um, murder of the people in um, in an Amish community. Yeah. And do you know what's... I, I don't... I can't yes. remember all the exact details, but the... Yeah. A person the came into a school and shot yeah. up a school of Amish children. Yeah. Yes. And then the response from the community yeah. was um, to support the family of the shooter, yeah. to pray for the family to pray for the shooter to, um, you know, offer their condolences to that family as well. And like, it like me national, probably international news for all I know because of their response. Cause it was so counter And mainstream yeah. Christian leaders who have radio shows and stuff were criticizing the Amish for doing them. what yeah. Jesus told us to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but no, 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 I'm with you. That's, uh, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think yeah. you're right. And I think it was looked upon as naive or right. childlike or uh, not realistic. Or um, that and, type of behavior will lead you to the cross. Oh, yeah. Wait. Well, and right, take up your cross, and oh. yeah, <laughs> and Jesus says, right? It, it's it's the children. If you that you will not you will not enter the kingdom unless you become like one of these, right? Which is innocent, trusting. Um, children are the people who believe that we could try living as Christians. I, right. I think this is going to be like a two-hour well <laughs> episode. You know what? I I am hungry. Yeah, after all of that, that. Think really it. good. Well, what we have here discussion is the morning glory muffin. All right, uh, it's from our 1994 our centennial cookbook. Nice. May, uh, the recipes from Dorothy Dalk, and it was created or made by Julie Murray. Uh, she did this. Um, to give me a hand because I knew I had to clean my garage last night. <laughs> thank you, Julie. And thank you, thank you, Julie. You, Julie. It's could, delicious. It, it could use raisins. <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> I did. Yes, I do not like them. Julie let them out for me. I really appreciate that. It would be ruined by raisins, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but Raisins it's, are my circus peanuts. <laughs> I love them. It's delicious. I think zucchini is in it maybe, and carrots. It's like a carrot coconut. cake extravaganza. Oh, coconut. Coconut's in it. Um, not, not meat, which means chocolate nuts. Uh, 
cored and shredded apple. Apple. Gra- yep. Makes it moist. missing cinnamon. Grated carrots. So that's the carrot cake consistency. Very moist. Mm-hmm. Very I give good. I give it a five. Mm-hmm. I go. I go four and a half. I don't know why. That's just a number that came to mind. I really like it. It had um, a little bit. It's. I'm getting like way into this, but it's weird because it seems like dense and light at the same time, and it's playing a trick on my brain. Um, in mm-hmm. the most potentially the most simple ingredient, I think, is what pulls it together, and it's the cinnamon. Mm. Mm-hmm. So big fan. Four and a half. Um, Julie, you can make them for me anytime. Amen. <laughs> Um, I would say, well, I just dropped some. I would say it would be a five for me, and this is not harass Pastor Kerry, but I really do like raisins. And if it had <laughs> yeah. raisins, I in do it, it would be a five. That. So I'll give it a, I'll give it a four and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in the same boat, Pastor Tim. Same. I, I, I like raisins as well, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. But at the same time, I really like, I love a good zucchini bread. Mm. And that's kind of, when I first smelled it, I, I could. It does smell like zucchini that. bread vibes. Mm-hmm. Is that the cinnamon maybe doing that or the coconut? Um, is there not zucchini in this? I think there is zucchini in it. it oh, there's not? Uh, What's the green stuff? Oh. I wonder. Shredded coconut. Isn't there green stuff in there, you guys? I thought. I don't see it. I my, thought my I eyes saw are it like that right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's apples? zucchini. Could it be green apple? Oh, could. I don't know. Well. We'll if she did if put zucchini in well, there, she, she was did. right to do it. Right. Yeah, she did it. Yeah, that, there's a the green right there. Mm-hmm. Well done either way. I like it. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you, Julie and Dorothy. Right. It's me next, isn't it? So I'm still swallowing that muffin just a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, for my God moment, I'm going to circle back to the way I answered one of the questions earlier um, is that in the time of this recording, um, I've had um, kind of just living some realities of, of my life. Um, and um, it's, uh, well, it's not a secret to anybody in this room at least, uh, but um, we are a family with, uh, with kid with special needs and, um, there are times in that journey where um, the needs are, are greater than others. And um, I this week has been really hard. <laughs> um, uh, I won't go into too many details, take too much time, but um, resulted in needing to um, ba- basically run out of church and, and, uh, and, and help with the situation. And um, I think for me, the, the God moment was kind of twofold. Um, one was, uh, you know, all of this talk, and I, I think the well, the podcast, um, I love being on it. Um, but what I saw was that um, this community that we talk about on the well um, was um, was lived out for for me, and I don't mean that in like a selfish way, but just in the sense of um, the, the truest form of what we talked about was lived out in the moment. Like there wasn't questions; there was there was just support and. Um, I'm a hugger and there are staff members that knew that and like immediately just like embraced me and then kind of pushed me out the door and told me to go <laughs> and, um, you know, that was, a, um, and then supported the decisions we had to make to make sure the situation was, was, um, as good as it could be. And so I, I just think for me, the God moment was just living 
um, just seeing the reality of like living life together um, and being, um, yeah, just being in community in that way. Um, and then the other guy moment is that in the time of this recording as well, we're finishing the, excuse me, finishing the series on Job. And I think just, um, it's weird how God works in the timing of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I look at Job maybe at this point, um, a little more from like a leadership and what am I going to say about Job? How am I learning to, to <laughs> teach others, so to speak? But then God's like, or you could just live in it for a minute. I was like, okay. But, um, but I, I'm glad that God opened my heart to that. And so, um, maybe it's a little more somber God moment, but I, I think that's an important part of life too. Um, usually I get to speak that or preach that. Um, and, and God was with me, alongside me to live that this week. And I'm, I'm thankful for, for what I've learned and, um, everybody that's so supportive and we're working through this thing together. So that's my God moment. Yeah. Thank you for journeying to the well with us. May God's peace be with you. Amen. The Well is a podcast of St. Luke's ELCA in Middleton, Wisconsin. You can follow for new episodes airing every other Thursday on St. Luke's website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to drop a question in the well, you can dive over to stlcaorg slash the well to submit your questions there. The Well is sponsored by St. Luke's Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to leaving a legacy for future generations. You can learn more at stlukes-elca.org foundation. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet you next time here at The Well.